I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. Hey guys, it's Josiah, and before we dive into today's episode, we want to share something exciting with our Young Adults Today fam. On March 4th and 5th, 2022, we will be having our third annual conference. So we want to invite you and your team in person this year to Minneapolis, Minnesota for this opportunity as leaders to rally together with other young adult ministry leaders from across the country. You can find out more details and register today at www.youngadults.today. Now for today's episode. Hey, what's up, guys? We hope that you are feeling alive right now. I'm Josiah Keneally. And and I'm Micah Keneally. And we are your hosts of the Young Adults Today podcast, where you know we talk about reaching the next generation in our world today. So thanks for tuning in. Wherever we're coming into your headphones or car stereos or your office space or your home, it's a joy to meet you there. And new episodes drop every Monday morning early. So thanks Mm -hmm. for subscribing, rating, reviewing, and sharing this content. It helps us reach more leaders with the message of young adults today. And what's happening today? Well, we are joined with one of our favorite people and one of our favorite pastors. Um, So we just want to welcome Pastor Greg Linz. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Oh, doing so great here. It's uh, it's snowing outside, so it feels like winter here in Minnesota. So I I wore my snowflake shirt today to match it so (laughs) yes let it snow I woke up and I was like praise God it's finally here (laughs) oh uh, I was thinking dear Jesus take me somewhere warm (laughs) me too and I realized that I've been made fun of on this podcast for in August drinking a pumpkin spice latte when it was like a hot coffee when it was 85 and this morning (laughs) I had a cold brew with um, <laughs> sweet cream. And so I, I think I've been doing coffee all wrong here in Minnesota. You are doing something wrong. <laughs> with this coffee and the weather, I guess. <laughs> uh, Clearly. But, oh my uh, Greg Lins, by the way, is the lead pastor of our home church, Zoe Church in Burnsville, Minnesota, along with his wife, Amber. And we've had the opportunity not only to attend Zoe, but to before each of our current assignments, we were doing ministry together at Cedar Valley Church. And um, so we're just grateful for your time, for your investment into Micah and I, Mm -hmm. and into today, this community of young leaders. But Greg, as we get started, we know you really well. The listener may, or they may not. So can we have you just uh, dive in with some of your story of life and leadership in ministry today? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for the privilege just to get to to share. Uh, There's nothing more important than investing in leaders and particularly those reaching the next generations. And so uh, just so grateful for your investment this way. So for uh, for me, I'm a Chicago boy. I live in Minnesota, but I'm a Chicago boy. That's where I grew up. Uh, I was born in North Carolina, but moved to Chicago when I was like three. And so uh, although I live in the Minnesota nice place, I, I have a little bit of that edge in me. <laughs> and uh, And so I moved up to Minnesota. Uh, really, I felt the call of God in my life. I was planning on going to University of Illinois to study architecture or engineering uh, when I was in high school. That's what I wanted to do. And I've had very few of those moments in my life where clearly God called me and spoke to me. And it was one of those moments that kind of ripped me off of my plan and sent me to Minnesota. I don't know why, to this school, <laughs> North Central, in the middle of nowhere, it felt like. Um, but it was, God was working. He was ordaining that. And so I had an amazing season in North Central as a, you guys had a chance to be a part of that as well. And, uh, and uh, joined a team right out of college at North Central. I met my, 
my future wife. And uh, we both actually started attending this church, Cedar Valley. I interned there and my wife served there. And uh, we had a great opportunity to serve there while we were in college. And then following college, uh, I had the opportunity to join the staff that hired me on. I was actually a I wasn't a lead pastor back then. I was a worship pastor. And so I'm a musician guy who plays all the instruments and leads all that kind of stuff. And so had the privilege of serving in that area for many years. My wife served in youth ministry, uh, just had a heart and a passion. Her story's a little crazier. I grew up in the church. You know, I think we all got different stories. I grew up in the church. I was a kid who was kind of the good kid at church and my family was invested. They were never pastors, but they were invested. But my wife, she grew up as a pastor's daughter um, but unfortunately, uh, you know, in her teen years, she turned away and kind of went off her own direction. But part of her story is coming back to God and, and responding mm -hmm. to him. And it's kind of transformed the way that we do ministry and our heart for ministry, as we're going to probably hear about as we talk, talk about today. Um, but we served at Cedar Valley for uh, 12, 13 years, uh, part of things there. Actually, 15 years total. I, I served as a worship pastor for 11 years and then served as the executive pastor for three years. And then God called us. Uh, we definitely were not looking to leave. We were, you know, we were kind of like settled in. You know, Josiah was raised at the church that we were a part of. You know, we, yeah. we had been there for 15 years. I had no intentions to leave. And I love the place. It's a great church. And God ripped our hearts out and, and sent us to this church that was hurting and broken, honestly, at the time. And uh, planted a vision in our heart to do ministry a little differently. Um, and the way that, that we were just got it kind of had groomed us in our stories in our life. And over the last, you know, almost three years now, it's been mm -hmm. unbelievable to see what God's been doing in this place and the story that he's writing. Uh, but it definitely wasn't the one that we were trying to make happen. It was definitely a story of what God's kind of been doing in our lives and what he's done in this church. So there's the flyover of uh, kind of where we're at in ministry. That's so good. And Pastor Greg, I sort of say that it's been so fun to see. I've only known you and Amber for approximately seven years, but I know that you guys are very raw, authentic people. And I remember meeting your wife for the very first time when I started attending Cedar Valley. And I don't remember which son it was, but she's like, hi, my name's Amber. I have three kids. This is our youngest and our boy. We caught him in the basement with his elbows up to his elbows in an ice cream pail last night. Like, I just remember that very first story. I was like, oh my gosh, like, I like her. Like, she's just like, you know what? It is what it is. And here who we are, here's who we are. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's kind of what we desire to be. I, you know, when we talk about ministry and like, particularly in our church specifically, um, you know, it's really easy in church world to, to try and put a plastic fake you know, just praise Jesus, you know, bless you, brother kind of face. And we just like, we don't want to live that. We don't want to be that as a church. We don't want to be that as individual people. And so, you know, my story growing up in the, in the church, it was, it was a good church, but there was just a lot of hurt and fake going on. And I saw it. And my wife, she ran away from it because she wanted no part of it. She was living and totally, you know, going the other direction. And you know, there was just no sense of the church as a safe place where I can come be honest and authentic about what I've got going on. And so we've always wanted to live that way as imperfectly as we do. Uh, but when we came to this church, we just felt God say, that's the type of place. In fact, we got a byline around here and I don't really like bylines because I think they're cheesy a little bit, but it was something that God seriously birthed in my heart. And that is this whole idea of real life together. Mm -hmm. And we say it at our church, but far before we said it, we just tried to live it and embody it that, that our church is a place where, you know, there's real authenticity where we lead yeah. it um, as leaders. And I would just say, you're talking to leaders here. 
you can't expect authenticity from people unless you lead the way. Right. And so we paved the way with authenticity. My wife, probably even more than I do, uh, she never holds back. There's those things where like, you're supposed to be a pastor's wife. You don't act that way. Um, you don't, you don't talk about those things. That's just not how we roll. We say, Hey, this is, this is what we've gone through. This is what we're going through. Mm-hmm. We don't ever want to present ourselves as we've got all the answers and we've got everything together. And when we do that, it creates a safe space for every person that walks in our doors mm-hmm. to sense like, I can be real here. I can let my guard down a little bit and be real. And through that, I think God does the supernatural work because we're no longer trying to hide, but we're actually bringing our whole self before him. And so, so really our stories have helped led us to this place of trying to build a community as imperfect as we are to try and build something that's authentic. Authenticity is important and mm-hmm. paired with it is self-awareness because we have to be aware of who are we, how has God wired us right. and who is he in that? And then how do we then reflect a true sense? Cause I think I had it mixed up for many years, even as a pastor that I needed to have it all together or that people yep. were looking to me and that couldn't have been more far from the truth. And I'm still real time learning this again and again, and, um, have had the privilege to, to have you and others mm-hmm. speaking in my life in the process. And, I remember being 14, 15, 16 years old and getting to know you. And so we've had a journey of our relationship, which I'm really grateful. And along with authenticity, one of the other things that comes to mind first, Pastor Greg, is your heart for the local church. Mm -hmm. And I remember specifically when you were leading as the worship pastor and had so much of an outlet with creativity and service design and all of those things, you just shared with me one time, like Josiah, at the end of the day, it's about God. It's about his glory. And I just love his church. And can you talk about that for, for a little bit of just like, maybe how did God burden your heart for the church or why are you passionate about the local church? Yeah. Yeah. I've, um, I mean, I, when you think about my story a little bit, being raised in the church, I know a lot of people have church hurt and I think we all have some trauma from the church. I mean, Mm -hmm. people in the church hurt us. That's just reality for all of us, but I still saw such a life there. And I saw that, man, there's so much potential, but I think the reason I'm really passionate about the church is because that's what Jesus is passionate about. Like he said, I will build my church gates of hell will not prevail against it. There's this sense of, okay, this is God's passion point. Mm -hmm. So if I say I love him, then I should love what he loves and care about what he cares about. And so there's a sense of saying, okay, God, how can I be a part of what you're doing? And so the local church, man, I think all of us, like I said, we've all had kind of crazy experiences. I'm sure we've had issues here and there, challenges, those kind of things. But I just think God wants to move and he doesn't, we a lot of times like to talk about our personal relationship with Jesus and, oh, me and Jesus. Well, that's true. And that's vital. But your, your faith was never meant to be just personal. It was mm-hmm. meant to be in the, in the context of community, in the context of relationship. And so a lot of us, we got a lot of young, young people, young leaders out there that, man, I love Jesus and I love that but they're not interested in being a part of his community. Mm-hmm. And that's just simply missing. That's cutting out the legs out from under what faith is supposed to be. And so we have to be passionate about the church. Like if we as the leaders can't be passionate about it, how can we expect the people in our, our churches to be passionate about right. being a part of the body and investing in the body and giving? Because it's sacrificial, man. It's not always fun to be a part of a church, just like it's not always fun to be a part of a family. Like sometimes being a part of family just work. It's just like, I don't really want to do anything for you right now. Like I got three kids. I love my kids, but they're work. 
Mm-hmm. And if we're going to be a part of a church family, sometimes it's going to require work and effort that, that takes us outside of ourselves. So if we don't have that love and passion and commitment ourselves, how could we possibly lead other people to that same place? And I think loving Jesus made it really clear. If you're going to love God, you love him and mm-hmm. love others. That's like, there is no like one without the other. And I would say that for believers of Christ, there's no loving God unless you are invested and in loving his body as well. That's so good. I take it one step deeper. I just want to see if you can dive a little deeper. Why yeah. do you believe that like young leaders, maybe like, why aren't they getting connected to the local church? But more importantly, why is it that they should have a heart for the house and ultimately be plugged into a local church when they're young leaders? Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of reasons why people aren't necessarily investing. I think our culture at large has been less committal than we used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just uh, generation after generation, just less committed to being a part of things. I think there's less interest in being a part of structured organizations, things like that. And so people are kind of, you know, c- disconnecting from church for that. Right. And honestly, culture over the last couple of years, we've seen how toxic and sometimes intertwining of politics and church world has just really turned a lot of young people off of church. And so I get that. I can understand all those things. Um, But sometimes we throw the baby out with the bathwater and we're just like, well, I don't want to be any part of that. And here's the deal is that like a lot of times we want to, we come to church and we think about, man, what does the church do for me? How is this providing something for me? And, and it is providing something for you, but oftentimes it's provided something for you as you are come to it, to give something to it. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when you come to the church and say, okay, I'm here to be a part of the kingdom of God. I'm here to be a part of, of his body. I'm here to be his hands and feet in some way. That's what I'm called to, whether I get anything out of it or not. If I do those things, I oftentimes do get something Mm -hmm. out of it. I think about, yeah, this past Sunday, I had a a young guy, honestly, he got divorced uh, about six months ago. And he had faith when he was younger and he's, he's been far from God though. And he's kind of hit rock bottom and he walked in the doors of our church. And I got to talk to him after Sunday because he rededicated his life to Christ after service. It's just a powerful moment. But as I talk to him, he's lonely, he's disconnected. He doesn't have family. He doesn't have connections. And you say, why, why should young people be a part of the church? Why should they be invested in the church? That's the whole point. Like you feel lonely, get in the body of Christ, do something, serve somebody, allow them to lift you up. Like the church should be a kind of place where we come when we're broken and we get lifted up. And then we come when other people are broken and we lift them up, you know? And so I think it's just so critical, but, but for young leaders, you know, I think at times you say, why should you love the church? I think us as young leaders, and I, I know this podcast has a lot of young leaders who are wanting to serve. Sometimes I'm, I've seen young leaders who come to the church and it's as if they are frustrated or angry at the church and they want to fix it. Mm. And I think if we're going to truly be the leaders God's call of us, we have to love the church and want to help it. Right. And I think that's the mindset of a, of a leader. And so has the church, you know, have leadership, have denominations gone sideways at times? Yeah. If you had pastors have screwed up morally. Yeah. We have, you know, churches that have hurt you, people that have hurt you, divisions, all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. But God, I, I fundamentally choose to love this place with isn't a feeling. It's a decision. I love this place and I want to help it get better and be all that you called it to be as opposed to saying, man, you're screwed up and let me show you how to get it done. Cause that's the worst thing we can do as leaders. I've, mm-hmm. when I was in, when I was in my twenties, um, 
and I, I would say this is true of a lot of leaders in their 20s. When we're, we're in our 20s, we think we know everything. And we look around and we walk into places and we're like, man, those old guys, I wish they'd move aside so I can show them what it's done. Or, or we look to, you know, the, the, the sensational leaders or the Hollywood leaders or the, you know, the ones who have all the following who say, oh, I want to be like that guy. I want the big thing. But man, when you hit your thirties and, you, and I'm, I'm pushing 40, I turned 40 this coming year. I look and I say, man, some of the people that I used to want to be like, they've fallen. They've mm -hmm. gone sideways. They've missed it. And I don't really want to be that. I want to be the humble leader that doesn't come in saying, I know everything. I want to be the one that comes in and says, I want to be like Jesus and I want to serve and I want to do what I can. I want to be faithful with what God puts in my hand. And if at the end of my life, I'm known, great. If at the end of my life, I'm not known, great. God, help me just be faithful to what you put in my hands. Mm -hmm. Totally. And um, what I hear you saying is there's hope and there's hope for so much more. And I, I hear an optimism, a joy and encouragement and an acknowledgement of like, whether it's ourselves as leaders realizing like we, mm -hmm. we can be authentic to ourselves and there's hope for mm -hmm. that, whether it's a hope for a church that is like what Acts chapter two and, and the New Testament believers were a part of and, and is so beautiful and attractive and daily there was people wanting to join this community and, and that's yeah. what we have vision for. Yeah. And my friend Grant Skeldon kind of disrupted my thinking with this thought. He asked, why uh, is the most cause driven generation at times so disconnected from the most historically cause driven organization, which is the local church. Wow. And I think I don't have the answer to that, but I think that that's the right question to ask. And then it's an opportunity for us as leaders to realize, you know what, we can't manipulate. We don't want to manipulate people, right. but what we can do is we can create opportunities mm -hmm. and then we're invitational leaders. And we're going to give people maybe something to look forward to. We're going to create some outlets where you can serve and you can make a difference. And that's mm -hmm. my story of being a young yeah. adult who grew up in a church and my faith came alive as I graduated high school, learned how to share my faith with some friends and just watched as my faith came alive because I was watching God answer some bold prayers and seeing young adults give their lives to Christ. And along with that, there's so many people coming out of the, the season of COVID-19 or a pandemic that maybe they were attending church online. Maybe they're listening and they're in a career pivot or transition, or they're wanting to, to serve, how do people go from church hopping and shopping, or maybe even dating to, um, you know, so to speak of, of like marrying the church or committing as members? Yeah. Well, I think it's making a decision uh, that you're going to step into a place, even when it's not perfect. Um, the reason we get non-committal, I see this happen with Sometimes young adults who are having a hard time marrying someone like, oh, I'm not sure there might be somebody else out there. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Okay. But sometime along the way, you're just going to have to make a decision. Like, <laughs> are you in or you're not? Okay. Cause yeah, there are other people. Cause I, a lot of people out there, I got to find the one, I got to find the one. I'm like, listen, two people, any two people could actually make a marriage work. If you just commit to Jesus principle of submitting to one another, like, <laughs> so I, I think we overthink it sometimes I'm going to be honest about that. Um, but, but I think the same thing is true of churches. Like we try to, oh man, is it, who's, what's the one church? I got to find the one person. Like, how about you just find a church and start investing there, start giving yourself there, you know, 
And uh, I think it's a critical step. We are missing something in our faith. We're missing something in our life when we don't choose to say, I want to invest and be a part of it. Um, I, our pastor, when we were younger, used to say, you know, if you're looking for the perfect church, um, you're never going to find it because the day you join it, you just ruined it, right? Because we're all imperfect. And so when we show, if we find the perfect place, we'll mess it up. You know, that's just not what churches are meant to be. And so, uh, so that's really, you know, kind of my challenge. What I've seen here, you know, you can talk about it coming off of COVID-19, but you say, how are young adults, you know, how are we supposed to um, create a space where they want to be a part of? I, I really think in what we found to be true here in our congregation and the way we do ministry is that young adults really, um, they can, they can sense when you're, you're kind of just feeding them a line, they can sense when there's inauthenticity in our culture. I think nobody does, no generation does it better than our younger generations. And so for us, we work far more on our culture than we work on anything else because who we are is actually what will attract people. Um, our young, young adults want, what are they craving? They're craving purpose. That's fine, but they can find purpose just about anywhere. They can go find a purpose. We've seen over the last two years, people want to go, you know, let's go stand and march for a reason. Okay, cool. They can find a purpose anywhere, but they can't find a community just anywhere. And so for us, we have purpose, all the purpose in the world you can want, but you also got to want to be with the people and and have a a culture of people you want to be with. And, uh, you know, I've, I've said this to our, our church and to our leaders a lot. You know, we talk about young adults ministry. I don't really want to have a young adults ministry. I want to have a church for young adults. Now, do we do things for young adults? A hundred percent we do. But even more than that, I want to be the kind of church that a young adult walks in the door and they're not looking to find the little program off to the side, but they walk in the door and they're like, man, this is a place for me. This is a place I want to be a part of. And so we work so hard to build that kind of a culture in our church where it's relational, it's connection, it's meaningful. It is not, there's no pretense about it. And that they feel invited into something that like, hey, you, you're not segmented to a part of our congregation, like the young adults ministry. No, you are called into the body and you're vital and you're important. And, uh, and we've seen just massive explosion of young adults in our congregation. I mean, just recently, I was just looking at statistics. You know, right now we're a church that's pushing 700 on, on the weekend. Um, but we've had, I think between the age of 18 and 26 alone, we've got like 240 people on our, on our regular attending list. And then between the next age range, it's like another 350, whatever. So, you, uh, you know, we got about 550 of what we probably consider about 12 to 1300 that consider this their home church that are in that target range of what I would consider young adult ministry. Yeah. And I think they're compelled not just to do things, but to be a part of something and yeah. to, to be included in the relationship. That's what we all crave. And I, you know, really our young adults crave that. That's so good. And it's been fun to see that. Like we've only been there for a short amount of time in comparison to some, but um, Pastor Greg, you and Amber have three kids and they're not yet in high school or college. And many of the people (laughs) that we've been in contact with that maybe are, I don't know, 40, 45, 50, who are having students go off to college themselves as parents. Yes. So their their students are going off to college. They're, they're figuring out life. And they've come to us like a deer in headlights because as parents, they've only focused on youth ministry personally in their home and also within their church. And they come to us, like I said, a deer in headlights being like, where's all the young adult ministries? And I'm like, 
okay, it was never on your radar until you had an 18 year old and they moved out of the house and you're like, oh my gosh, have we done what we were supposed to do as parents to equip them to step out into the real world, to problem solve, to make disciples, to think for themselves, to, to fail, to all those different things. And one thing that I just want you to hear from you is like, you've already touched on the fact that young adults are important to the church, but also for providing an opportunity for them to, you know, even meet each other and host those events and stuff. Um, how have you and Amber, the church, like made it a priority to have young adults, um, primarily a young adult ministry at your church as a pastor? Like, why is that so important? Yeah. Yeah. So I think the, probably the reason I have a huge burden, this really shapes all of our ministry at our church. Um, I had a, I had a season probably three, four years ago, particularly, Um, where there was a number of young people that were raised in the church that I was a part of growing up. And in a matter of six months, I probably had four to five conversations with people that grew up in the church, loved Jesus, just passionate about Jesus when they were younger, just straight up walk away from faith in their early early to mid twenties. And I'm, and I'm having this conversation with them. And what I hear over and over again from them is like, yeah, I'm just not sure where I stand anymore. So I kind of feel like I need to leave the church for a while and figure some stuff out. And it just broke my heart out over and over. I'm just like, dear Jesus, what kind of a culture have we built inside of the church that you have to leave to ask your questions and wrestle your faith? Mm-hmm. Like we've done something wrong if that's if that's the culture we've created. And so at our church, we have three core values. One of our core values is embrace the struggle. And it came out of that season where I said, listen, number one, we're going to embrace the struggle of life. Like life isn't always easy, easy. Let's, let's just acknowledge it. Let's be authentic about it. Let's be real about it. But it's also, we want to embrace the the struggle of faith because faith isn't always easy, easy. It's not always clean. It's not always simple. Every answer isn't, you know, work the way you would want it to. And if we aren't willing to embrace that challenge and the wrestling and the tension of faith, then we're going to lose people because they feel like they got to lead to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And what we want to do is build a culture inside of our church that says, this is the place to wrestle it in the context of a community that cares about you. And so the reason why we, we've shaped our youth ministry differently because of that. So I go to our youth pastor and I say, listen, my goal isn't for you to have just nice youth ministry in a box and then hand them off. My goal is that they better be struggling and wrestling their faith now. Ask the hard question mm-hmm. now when they're in high school. So they got to wrestle it when they have a community around them to support them and to help them say, that's an okay question. We validate those questions. Let's wrestle that together. Then um, they're just, it's so desperately needed that you, you don't, you know, and this is why I say we want to be a church for young adults where we built a culture that young adults can resonate with, that they feel safe wrestling, asking the hard question, saying, I don't know what I believe. Cool. Let's talk about that. Let's, let's be a place that that's safe. And I have to lead that from the pulpit where Mm -hmm. we ask the questions, even at the pulpit, the hard question, the life question, but also the faith questions that are hard. Let's bring up the topics that we don't want to talk about. Let's do that um, so that our young adults don't feel like they're on an island trying to figure out faith and and hope that when they have kids and get married, maybe they'll come back to the church. That shouldn't be our strategy. Well, it's not a winning strategy (laughs) to hope. Hope isn't a strategy and I'm an optimist. I am yeah. an encourager, but he I, is, I, if you don't know Josiah, <laughs> he is an optimist. 
I just, I don't believe that hope alone is a strategy. Like it's, it's gotta be thought through and a mm -hmm. process. And I've heard so many people say this, these two statements. One is that the church is presenting answers or the pulpit or leaders are presenting answers to questions that I'm not asking. And then the questions that I am asking mm -hmm. either aren't welcome, or it seems like there's not answers because we're not talking about it. Right. So I love that approach. It just deeply resonates yeah. with me because well, so so many it people. just seems it seems stupid that we have young adults that we want to reach right and then we do the complete opposite of what will reach them and then we ask ourselves why the young adults not want to be here i'm like okay let's let's listen and let's engage and i think man there we have a, a young adults that are just really asking hard questions they're in a in a world that's dark yeah. and and harsh and they need some light and we have it and we just are ignoring it. You know, it's just, it's crazy. And so God help us all to be, you know, open-eyed, open-eared to listen and to, to see where he's moving and that we can lean there. Well, and, and this next question, Greg, feel free to push up against it. I um, agree with everything you've said about, you know, having a church where young adults are a part of the lifeblood of the community and the congregation. I think that that long-term sets them up, not for a siloed ministry, the rest of their life, but to mm -hmm. participate in a faith community. And I know that in our own individual lives before we got married, then in our marriage, and now having two young daughters, like we wanted to find a home church that would honestly suit not even just our needs, but really these two baby girls, the that they yeah, could definitely. be dedicated and that they could be raised up in the faith and that we could pass on the faith mm -hmm. of Jesus into the next generation so that they in our house can see and in our church, they can see and in our community that they can see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And um, you're talking to Pastor Greg, an audience of young leaders Many of them are on college campuses, maybe doing parachurch ministry, Chi Alpha, Crew, InterVarsity, mm -hmm. yeah. FCA. You're also talking to a lot of people who are maybe the next gen pastor or the young adult ministry leader at their church. And the goal of both of those strategies, ministries is to fulfill the great commission mm -hmm. to the next generation and ultimately make disciples who make disciples. And the gap that's missing as a whole is 18 to 30 year olds. You look at Pew, you look, look at Barna, you look anywhere where there's data and research. Um, you're seeing the trends go opposite, but so I ask this question to everyone who comes on the podcast. <laughs> it's my favorite question to ask. And I, yeah. I, I list it or write it like this. Why do you believe that young adult ministry is important? Or if you want to push back on that and just say, why is including the next generation in our discipleship strategies in the lifeblood of our churches important because it doesn't need to just be a campus ministry. Although I, we desperately need ministry on the college mm -hmm. campuses. It oh, doesn't just need to be a siloed young adult ministry. Mm -hmm. Although I think that that can be a next step for some leaders and churches, mm -hmm. but feel free to push back. But why do you ultimately believe we need to disciple young adults? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's everything you're saying right there mm -hmm. is, is that we, you know, why do we have ministry to any age category, whatever? It's because it's valuable and we need it. And having this, this segment, because it, in a lot of churches, there's this moment, it feels like, like there's this gap. We've lost this gap. And so we have to be intentional when, that, when that's expressed. For me, we, like I said, we have a young adults ministry, 
But I think the, the step, that shouldn't be where it stops. And I think, right. unfortunately, that's where a lot of churches, particularly that's yeah. where they stop. They, they have a young adult, let's hire a young adults pastor. And now we saw him, and as a lead pastor, I can check out and let the young adults guy deal with that. That me as a lead pastor, my passion is that I'm responsible. Mm-hmm. Do I have people leading that? Do I have leaders leading it? Absolutely. But I'm responsible to invest in and to lead and to minister in a way that's going to reach young adults so that rather than having young adults leadership, who's trying to compensate for my lack and wow. my deficiencies, I'm adding fuel to their fire. They're taking where I'm going and taking it to the next level. And so I, I, I if anything you hear from me, it's we need to do more. It needs to be more a part of our mindset. Mm-hmm. We need to be having youth pastors connected to next generation that there's, we need every generation connected. Yeah. This cannot be this siloed sense of ministry. Just because you're not siloed doesn't mean you don't have a ministry to that area, but we have to have this sense of how are we constantly helping people along the journey, journey of faith. We do the exact same people for people coming to faith. If they're coming to faith for the very first time, okay, what is the journey to help them through that? Like, what are the steps along the way? And the same thing happens just honestly as a function of stage of life. How are we walking people through that journey? Um, But it has to be something that, and and my prayer, you know, and and I'm guessing that there's probably some people listening right now who would say, man, I wish my pastor (laughs) would get a hold of this. I wish my pastor had a, had a care whatsoever Mm -hmm. about this and would think about these things. And, and I get it. I've, I've served in different capacities and been, man, I wish my pastor would think about this or that, whatever. Our calling is to be faithful with what God's put in our hands and to pray for our leaders and give every opportunity to lead up that we can to say, man, here's some opportunity. Here's some churches that do things differently. Here's a lead pastor that's trying some things. Hey, would you think about these things? How can we work together? Um, But we have to be focused on the next generation. Otherwise, statistically, Mm -hmm. we're going to die. It's just reality. And so, um, you know, I pray, I feel like right now we are a bit of an anomaly in terms of church world. And I pray that we'd see more and more anomalies, that it would become a norm. Good. And I want to acknowledge you for that, that you've opened up your home, you've opened up your life, you've opened up your pulpit and just mm-hmm. the church to the next generation of young adults. And I think that that's incredible. And that's, that's the first time we've asked as far as maybe a younger lead pastor whose kids aren't young adults themselves. I love yeah. that Micah asked you that because, <laughs> you know, so often the light bulb goes off when it becomes personal. And so I just want to acknowledge you that you're thinking stages and yeah. steps far beyond even your family into serve the, the people that God's mm-hmm. entrusted you to. And, um, yeah. I, I just acknowledge you for that. And thank you for that. Well, I think the fun yeah. thing is Greg, that pastor Greg, you already kind of alluded to it, that you share and shared from the pulpit. Like if you don't share the vision of the church and where you're going, people are never going to catch it. They're not going to know that it's an important, uh, I don't want to say pillar, but I mean, an important aspect of why you do what you do. How do you oversee things? How do you lead well? What other departments, if you're looking for volunteering, here's other opportunities you can get involved with, you know, so just kind of preparing um, the atmosphere, but also allowing people to use their gifts to step into whether it's young adult ministry or another part of the church. And we've seen just the service team you know we went saw pre-service prayer like everybody's rallied up in a big circle and I'm like that's so many volunteers they have every Sunday like it's so fun to see people come around that and we know that leading is not easy and um but when you're leading with people that you love and you're taking people somewhere and you they know where they're going it just becomes more evident that God is and can do great and amazing things and uh Josiah and I we we believe that 
lifelong learning is essential for any leader, whether you're younger, whether you're older. And I would just be curious just to kind of pick your brain. Like what is your thought process of owning your own personal development for young leaders? Like how, how is your approach in that? And how have you seen God's hand of favor step into that? If you have any stories or whatever. Yeah. Well, I think, I think every young, I remember when I'm, I'm, I guess I'm not a young leader anymore. I, since I'm turning 40 this year, but when I, when I was a young leader, when I first came out of college, I remember that moment It was probably, you know, a month or two after college, I graduated and I had this epiphany moment. And I said, if I don't force myself to learn anything, I'm never going to learn anything again. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like, I'm out I'm out of school. It's on me now. Nobody's forcing me to read anything. Nobody's forcing me to do a paper or watch a video or do those kind of things. And so early on I took on, okay, I got to read. All right. So that's, it's the easy, I didn't even love reading all that much, to be honest. I was a good student, but that didn't mean I enjoyed reading. But I said, okay, I can read. I can listen to podcasts. I can start learning. And so taking that on myself to say, I'm constantly reading. Like my, my kids always are asking me, dad, how many books are you reading because I always got a stack of books next to my bed and it's usually four or five books because I'm a little ADD and I, I can't read one book at a time. Um, exactly. I can relate. So, I can relate. <laughs> I can, sorry, like I can only take so much at a time. So we just, we're flipping back and forth. That's fine. But I'm, I'm always trying to crank through books, crank through podcasts to take it on myself. And what I try to do with our team and with our younger leaders is that start modeling that and challenging them toward that, that they can, they need to start becoming a reader. Cause I, I mean, I was 23 before I started reading and my prayer is that we'd start that younger. And so even right now in our church, we've got a, our, our youth have just developed a, a, a leadership track for high school students. Mm-hmm. And, and so they're meeting, um, you know, a couple times a month on Sunday nights. And they've got, I think there's a group of like 15 to 20 of them that are doing that. And they're going to, they're doing reading C.S. Lewis right now. Love and they're it. starting to develop principles. I'm going to be walking in and doing some, some teaching on leadership with them. And uh, it's, it's starting to groom this habit of like, okay, I'm going to, not because my teacher told me to do it, but I'm going to start engaging and reading and learning mm-hmm. and growing myself. And I think every one of us, the, the moment we stop that, you know, we're a waste. And, and somebody are listening right now and you only listen to podcasts. I'm going to challenge you, get a book out. Okay. Every once in a while, get a book. You hear about the books on these podcasts, go buy one sometime and start mm-hmm. reading it because the sooner you can groom yourself to that habit, it doesn't mean it's always fun. Uh, the sooner you have the opportunity to grow and uh, be exposed to things you've never been exposed before, because some of the best thinkers were dead before podcasts. Amen. And so if you don't, if you don't take the time to read, you are missing out on a wealth of 2000 years of Christian thought and leadership principles uh, that we all desperately need. Yeah. Pastor Greg, I'm just reminded of something that you said in your previous role at the other church. And I think you were, I think you were on stage doing this sermon. And I remember, I remember the story very specifically. I have no idea why, but it had to do with you be like playing guitar and you dedicating yourself to learning and leading and getting into the presence of God and learning how to teach others how to enter into the presence of God. And essentially the story had to do with somebody else coming to coming up to you like, well, I want to play guitar like you do. And you, you say to them, I, I believe you, you said, well, you can, but this is how many hours a day you are going to have to practice. And we come across so many people who yeah. don't want to, they want to lead, 
but they don't necessarily want to discipline themselves and they don't necessarily want to discipline themselves to have to learn. And I think that's one of the challenges that we come up against. Um, even in our ministry, one student's like, Hey, I know where I am. I know where I want to be, but I know what it takes to get there. And I don't even want to take the journey because it's just too hard. Yeah. And I'm like, this is only a four year college dedicated, <laughs> like you're only dedicating four years of your life to this program. Like you can do it, but to really um, just say, thank you for being authentic, like authentic, even more so of saying, Hey, you can do it too, but you need to get into the presence of God and, you know, allow him to iron out some of these characteristics that need to be. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. We, we all want to be known, you know, we all, yeah, especially nowadays, but with, you know, social media platforms and everybody follows their favorite preachers and then they want to be that. Right. It's like, that's great. You want to be that. Okay. Have you put in 10 years on your knees and in the word so that you can be that so mm-hmm. good, so that you can be humbled enough to actually do that. So that when you come, like I'm preaching now on a weekly basis, you know, back when I only had to preach once a month, it was like, sweet. I could rock out a sermon once a month. No big deal. Okay. Well now I'm preaching every week. If I had not groomed the past 25, 30 years of my life in the mm-hmm. word yeah. and in prayer, then I would be overwhelmed and exhausted, but I'm not because I've prepared to this point right. and I've gotten to a place of recognizing, okay, here's what I can do. Here's what I know God is going to do and I can lean in, but, but it's taken a long time to get there. Mm-hmm. And if, if I can inspire anybody, it's like, don't, don't be focused on the result. If you're not willing to be focused on the process. Um, the process is where it's at. Give it to the process. Give yourself over and over to the process and the results will happen. And, and whether or not they're spectacular or not, that's in God's hands. Yeah. Because he, you know, you might work your tail off and never have as many followers as your favorite preacher, but that's not what you're called to. You're called to faithfulness. Right. Faithfulness in the process along this journey as young leaders is vital. And I love that you said it. And I've, I've wanted to say something on this podcast and I think it fits perfectly here. Um, we never set out to do a podcast. We never did. We never had this vision or hope or dream, like let's do this, but we serve in a capacity of helping churches and ministries and young adult, uh, in the state of Minnesota with young adults. And, um, we just asked the leaders that we're serving, what do you need? What would help you? Do you have everything you need to do your job? Well, what would help you more? And they're like, there's no conference in America like this, there's no mm-hmm. podcast. Can we have one? And so we just kind of <laughs> took it and ran with it. And we've seen God's hand of favor mm-hmm. on this definitely. And in the process, there's some DMS that come in from time to time of, especially around new years. I want to do a podcast. Can you tell me how it works? And <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. You, you mentioned the stack of books that's by your bed. I mean, there's weeks that we'll record a month's worth of podcast in an afternoon. So there's four podcasts back to back to back in an afternoon and to, to prep for them. I've read each of the leaders books, which are maybe two, 300 pages each. And in that week or in that month, I might've read a thousand pages. (laughs) I've listened to some of what they're passionate about to make sure I'm asking the right questions to the right leaders. And Mike is doing it too. And then because I think people love to have a conversation like this one. There's also an editing process. There's also, you know, <laughs> making the questions, yeah. reaching out, and, setting up the time yeah. and date, location, and, in person, not in person. <laughs> and I'm just not afraid of that. Like, but I, but I'm also not afraid to say that if this is what God's called you to, or if that's a dream and hope of yours, don't be afraid of doing hard things. Like our daughter, she's three months old and she was on her back. I was trying to change her diaper. And all of a sudden I grabbed the diaper and she rolled over. (laughs) 
And she had never rolled over before, but we are born to do hard things. And whether it's reading or writing or, or podcasting or starting a ministry or inviting young adults into your life or your space or having conversations around a table, um, we're born to do hard things and we can't back down for it. So speaking of hard things and having some fun, okay. Pastor Greg, we've come to a segment. We call it the five and five. It's like the okay. five questions. We put five minutes on the clock and okay. you get to share five thoughts. All right. You up for the challenge? Let's do it. All right. Question number one, if you could describe yourself in three words, what would they be? Um, uh, I will use three words that are one phrase, high functioning introvert. That's how I describe myself. I always joke around with it because I'm an introvert and a lot of people listen, like think all the leaders are the extroverts. And I'm like, I'm not that guy. I'm like the, let me go sit with the book. Let me go hide in the corner. Like when Sunday's over with, I'm exhausted, but I call myself a high functioning introvert because I can be social. I can do all that kind of stuff. And so if there's anybody out there who's a leader who feels a little, uh, overwhelmed at times, just, just know that there's a place for you in ministry. It's okay to be an introvert. Us introverts can still succeed. That's so good. That means you're self-aware. You can say that. <laughs> yeah. And, um, we talked about this a second ago about like owning our own personal development for young leaders. One of the things that I've seen you do is when I was serving on staff and you were the executive pastor, you challenged each of us with like, um, big, hairy, audacious goals, as well as like stretching yet achievable goals. And could yep. you just challenge us like this podcast airing fresh into 2022? And a lot of people might have a growth plan, many might not, but could you just challenge the listener and us uh, to set some goals? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, uh, I think of goals as vision with intention. Cause I think a lot of time we can have vision for these great things that we want to do, but then we put no intentionality behind that. And so I think it's really critical to do that, but um, you know, we all know we should write goals down. We should do those things, but I think what we don't do very well is be able to look back and see how we've accomplished those. I just, this past week, I stumbled on something I called vision vomit. It was a document on my computer. Totally forgot. I wrote it three years ago. I, when we moved into this church, we started here, God just started putting some things in my heart. And so I had all these goals associated with it. just a page full of goals. To be honest, I hadn't even looked at that page in three years. And I looked at that thing and every single thing had been checked off. Wow. But I think there's something to just writing things down. There's something yeah. to birthing it in your heart saying, man, this is something I want to go after. And then giving it some intention. Even though I didn't look at that page, then I had intention behind those things. Like I'm driving at all those things. And so I would say, man, set, set your vision high. Ask God, what do you want for me? And then push it and then go after it, man. Just give it some intention. We need that. Don't be lazy. Don't settle. God has more for you. That's so good. That's a great challenge. Okay. Question number three, if you could ask Josiah and myself a question today, what would it be? Uh, Josiah and Michael, let's see. Well, you guys do a lot in, in young adult ministry, obviously. And right now you're serving in a school. And so yeah. what are you seeing? How are you seeing COVID-19 affecting that specifically the college demographic? And, and is there any advice for me as a lead pastor, how I can help pastor people? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I would say, so our campus as of fall of 2021 is still only functioning at 20% in person. Wow. A campus of wow. 15,000. Yes. 
So what we've personally seen and just to paint a picture of how I would describe our specific campus and maybe some people can relate um, is almost like an airport. There's seating everywhere. This was pre-COVID. There's seating everywhere, students everywhere. They have their headphones on. They're half sleeping. They're laying there. They're with each other. They're like, it's a free for all essentially. And it feels like an airport, like everybody's stranded there waiting for the next flight to take off because they desire some form of purpose in life. And it's like they're in this holding cell waiting for this breakthrough moment of something, but they're not willing to do anything to get there. So I would just say that what we've seen is depression, anxiety, loneliness, um, even more so skyrocket during that time. So I would just say um, to any lead pastor listening and a young adult pastor listening is to um, give them hope. One of our friends, um, Kristen Higgins' dad, he attended church a couple of times to visit. And he said, you know what? People give them heaven today because they go through hell every other day, every other day of the week. And you know, I'm just like, wow, people are up against major things. And if your ministry or your Bible study or your life group or whatever you want to say can just offer life and hope and point people to the heart of Jesus Christ through the community of which you are serving, I'd say do it and don't hold back, like hold nothing back when it comes to that, because life is way too short on this side of eternity to wonder what we should have done when we get to heaven. So Good. My God, I was going to share the same thing about Normandale College as far as just like our experience of what our campus has been like. Right. And that's a very personal or, you know, one aspect, but widely yeah. what I'm seeing to Pastor Greg. And uh, what I see is young adults like never before are, are deconstructing their faith. Mm-hmm. And um, I've gotten a lot of messages or comments about, and so I guess my biggest thing on that is I don't know why, and I don't have all the apologetic polished Mm -hmm. answers, but what I've tried to do is just listen. And so I think that for, you know, whether it's you, you do this amazingly and uh, for the, you know, learner or leader listening, I think to maybe be quick to listen and slow to speak of, of, you can ask questions, but then just listen. Mm. And I think that builds trust and you can totally then express concern. But if we listen, what I love that Kerry Newhoff says, he says that if you're going to have conversations about the next generation, be sure to include some of them in the conversation. (laughs) And I think that what Clay Scroggins then says too, is that so often as young leaders, decisions about our future are decided in rooms that we aren't even in. So I would just say that um, those two things, as far as leadership, just listen and include. And then what Timothy Keller, um, who I know is battling health, will pray for him. But I I know um, what he does is every sermon he's ever given, preached to a lot of young adults in New York, he would try to have one statement about a life question or a theological question that he would get. And then he would, he would write down what his answer to that question was, and he'd weave it somewhere into his sermon. And, and it wasn't necessarily predictable. Like this is the yeah. point in the message where he does that, but it was just yeah. kind of part of his style. And yeah. I've just taken that in my one-on-one mentoring or in our small groups or in gatherings too, that if we can help answer some of the questions and you're doing this amazingly, mm-hmm. but if we can listen and then answer questions that people are asking, that's going to serve them really well. Yeah. It's great. It's great. 
And so back to you, question four or five. Back to me. Yeah. Speaking of lifelong learning, we ask this question um, just because we can sometimes learn from other people's mistakes. uh, And also it can sometimes- (laughs) Sometimes it's comical. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes it's humorous too. Uh, Would you be willing to tell us maybe an embarrassing moment or epic failure that you've experienced in life or leadership? Um, Well, I- embarrassing moment. I had a very clearly embarrassing moment that probably was a good life lesson for me. Uh, it was almost two years ago. Uh, I was on Sunday morning. So that, it was Saturday on a Saturday. This is pre COVID. Okay. So pre COVID. So I wasn't, I didn't have to worry about taking any precautions or whatever, but it's a Saturday and I start feeling like garbage, absolute garbage, you know, and I'm feeling gross as the day's going on. I spike a high fever and I'm feeling gross. And I, it's nighttime. And I'm like, man, I don't know if I can, I'm going to, I go to the doctor. They're like, you've got strep throat. I'm like, I got strep throat and I got a fever of like 103. And I'm like, I can, I can still preach in the morning. I can do, I can. So Amber's like, no, don't, don't try to preach. I'm like, I can do this. I can do this. So I sleep all night. I feel like junk. I wake up in the morning and I'm like, we only had one service at the time. So I got to get there and walk in and preach. I'm like, you guys do the worship. I will walk out. I will preach. I will walk off the stage and go right home. That's what I'm going to do. It's great. And my wife's like, Greg, this is a dumb idea. I'm like, no, I can do it. I can do it. I can do this thing. And uh, so I, I walk in, I go up to preach and I, I'm good for like 15 minutes of the sermon. And then all of a sudden I start seeing colors up on that stage, you know, and I'm like, what is going on? And my head starts going groggy and I'm like, what is going on? And I finally, <laughs> I finally just have to say, I'm going to, pa- I like, I uh, suddenly broke a hot sweat and I'm like, I'm going to pass out right now. And nobody knows it. And I'm like, if I don't get down, I'm going to drop like a sack of potatoes on this stage. And so, so I just said, Hey everyone, Hey, I'm not feeling real well. I'm going to invite our youth pastor up. I walked off the backstage and just before I got to the bottom of the stairs, I was about to drop. I sat down and went totally black in my eyes. And the church is like, what the heck just happened? And so my wife has to come up and like, uh, I don't think Greg's feeling real well, whatever. So I come out at the end of the service and I'm like, hey guys, I'm still alive. I'm okay, <laughs> not a big deal. And after service, Amber's like, yeah, you remember when I told you you shouldn't do that? I'm like, yeah, I should probably have let somebody else preach this day. But So life lesson, you know, let, listen to the people around you. It's not dependent on you. Get over over yourself you're not that important <laughs> so excellent oh thanks for going there for us and the listener definitely um this is our final question before we wrap up if you could tell a group of college pastors and young adult ministry leaders one thing if we handed you the microphone what would you tell them today uh like i said it a little bit earlier but just don't worry about your platform and don't worry about your success in the world's eyes because i just think that's where we're at it are when you're a young leader it's all, oh, how can I be successful? How can I make it? And uh, I, I'm yet to make this my kind of final statement of a sermon, but it will be someday. And that success equals faithfulness. Success equals faithfulness. You have to grill that into your brain and you burn it into your heart that success is faithfulness. And so, you know, you might get 30 years from now and you don't have the massive you know, ministry where thousands of people follow you and know you and all those kind of things. But somewhere along the way, you may have impacted that one person who goes on to be the person with the influence. And one day you're going to stand before God and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You did what I asked you to do. And uh, my prayer is that every one of us leaders, that would be the thing that burns in our hearts. God, can I be faithful? I don't care about, you know, we say this all the time. We want to 
We'd love to be the biggest church that nobody knows about. We just want to be faithful to reaching lost people. And I don't care that anybody, we get, I don't want any accolades. I just want people to know Christ. Mm-hmm. And I want to be faithful to what he puts in our hands. And um, I just pray that we'd have more and more leaders like that. That's great. It's amazing insight. And Pastor Greg, we just want to thank you for your passion, for your heartbeat, for your belief in the next generation, for the way mm-hmm. that you open up doors of opportunity and surround yourself with young leaders, but also take time to have a conversation like this one. Love it. Appreciate being with you guys. Proud of what you're doing. Just keep going. Awesome. Thank it's you. encouraging to us. And if you want to find out more about Pastor Greg Lynn's Zoe Church, you can connect with us in the show notes where you're listening to this podcast, as well as check out youngadultstoday uh, as well as social media at Young Adults Today. Thanks so much. Got that. Got that. Until next time, this is Mike and Josiah. <laughs> Signing off. Hey guys, it's Josiah. And before we dive into today's episode, I want to share an exciting update with our Young Adults Today fam. Here's the thing. Everything we do with Young Adults Today, whether it's a podcast, books, resources, conference, content, is centered around the heart of Christ and really three things. The first is building relationships that can last a lifetime. The second is creating resources that are useful. And the third is to create rallying points that are catalytic for leaders and ministries to reach the next generation as we make disciples. So we have a prayer and a goal to take everything we're doing to the next level. And that is an invitation to you to join our Patreon. Patreon allows you and us to partner together for the kingdom of God and the heart of Christ to grow young adults today. You can find out more and jump on board by visiting patreon.com slash young adults today. Thanks so much. And here's for today's episode. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.